You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. I'm super excited. I just find myself over and over, just to brag on you guys, just privileged to be your pastor. I am, I am having a blast. It is so fun. It is so sweet. Uh, it is just an honor for me to be your pastor, and uh, I'm super, super privileged to do that. Uh, one thing that's really, really cool is I feel like I'm a really engaging speaker. Uh, I, I feel like I don't have to struggle a whole lot with, for your attention, uh, and I think that's in large part due to the fact that we don't have any cell phone service here. Um, <laughs> And I'm really thankful for that. I mean, it's gotten to my head. If, we, if, we ever, if they ever put an antenna out here and I look out, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? Like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to react if you guys are on your phones. Like, you don't, I don't have to worry about you checking Facebook during my message because you can't. We're in the middle of nowhere. You can't check your Facebook here. Uh, and so, so it's, a, it's a, big, a big thanks that I have. And I think part of that, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I have a hard time with attention, right? Does anybody else have an attention addiction? Anybody? That you just always got to be paying attention to something. Like I said this a couple weeks ago, and Mavis got on to me. Uh, I, said, I said that I, I'm guilty if I can put something in the microwave for, no joke, 30 seconds. And I will pull out my phone during 30 seconds. Like, I can't sit still and do nothing for 30 seconds. And I think Mavis said, you could pick up a broom. And I was like, okay, Mavis, <laughs> calm down. Judging my house. But, you know, my grandmother always said, can't you just be? Can't you just be? And the answer is, 32 years later, no. I cannot just be. I have to be doing something. And, and I don't know if you guys are the same way, but we live in a world here in 2022, right? I said that right. There's a lot of twos in that. 2022, where I think that that has impacted our prayer lives, right? Like our, our need to be entertained, connected, uh, communicating, whatever it could be, all the time, I think, has, has had a detrimental impact on our prayer lives because we don't, we, we don't spend a lot of time just being with God. So my point in this series is, is hopefully by the end of this series, you will be able to describe the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how of prayer. It's not going to be that like cut and dry. There's going to be a little bit more into the the details, but that's kind of my hope is that we understand, have a better understanding of why we pray, what we're doing when we pray, how to pray in a way that honors the Lord. God gave us these tools that we can use in order to connect with him. We have the Bible. I'm super thankful for the Gideons being here and, and doing the ministry that they do to share the Bible with others. That is a very important tool for how we connect with God. We also have prayer and we have the Holy Spirit. These are ways that we have that we can connect with our creator. And I want to preface this whole series by telling you that I do not know everything about prayer. I just don't. I, the more I study, the bigger the idea of prayer gets to me. It's, it's pretty amazing what I've learned in studying this. I'm a, I'm a simple guy, right? I like sports. I like video games. That's pretty much it. Uh, I like my family most of the time. Um, <laughs> Unless my son's waking me up in the middle of the night because he's sick. That's not fun. Uh, I still love him. Okay. I'm not bad. Let's, let's calm down. Anyway, I'm a simple man. I don't know anything about uh, fixing a car, although I did fix my riding lawnmower two weeks ago. 
I'd fixed it. I, I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah, I told Travis about it last week. This doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. I just have been trying to find a way to work it in to brag about it. Um, <laughs> you guys know how bad I am with cars, and I fixed my own riding lawnmower. Somebody clap, please. Come on. I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't want some applause and recognition. I'm a simple man. I don't know a whole lot. If, if I see somebody pulled over on the side of the road, the best I can offer them is prayer. Um, I can't help you with anything. Uh, I can barely drive a car. I don't know anything about health. I don't know how to fix you if you've got some kind of problems. I, again, I had prayer is about as close as I got. Uh, I don't know how to build a rocket ship. I don't know much about science. I'm not. I'm a pretty simple guy. And prayer, to me as a simple guy, is mind-blowing. I don't think we have any idea what we actually have access to in prayer. And I would almost go head-to-head with anybody who claims that they have prayer understood that say, you know what, I understand prayer, I know everything there is, and I would say, I don't believe you at all. Because I think there's a lot of prayer that we cannot understand here in our human mortal bodies. Let me give you an example. Here's an example of why. It's pretty evident to me in Scripture that God doesn't change, right? Scripture tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow. It says, uh, James 1.17 explicitly says he does not change, which includes, to me, changing his mind, right? Like, if you had changed your mind, that is a change in you. So the question is, why do we pray? If we can't change God's mind because God doesn't change, why do we even ask God to do things? But, but it's not like, I don't want you guys to be like, well, that's what Pastor Blake said, no point in prayer anymore, right? Because Jesus, the words of God himself in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in pr- for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. We are specifically told to God in prayer and he will answer it. So how does that work? How does it work that we can pray and we can't change God's mind, but he will answer our prayers? I don't think anybody has the answer. That's my point. I don't think that we can understand that an unchanging God listens to our prayers and acts accordingly. It's beyond the realm of understanding. Prayer is connecting to God personally, not for your own agenda, but to worship him and allow him to transform your heart. Again, in Mark 11, kind of a couple verses back from this in, in verse 24 and verse 17, Jesus says, And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? So, pop quiz this morning. What is God's house? All right. Hey, hey, Jeffrey got it. Say it. You. It's not this building, right? Like you, you brought up Corona earlier. We were not in this building for three months. This building sat empty. And you know what? God wasn't here like, man, I really miss everybody. I wish they could all come back, right? This is not God's house. This is just a building that was built in 1908. Beautiful, by the way. This is just a building. You are God's house. You are God's house. So when he says, my house will be called a house of prayer, I don't don't think that we are a house of prayer oftentimes. I think we kind of don't live up 
to that aspect. And, you know, we, we say that we are the house of prayer. What's interesting is that the, the people that Jesus was talking to, they understood the idea of God's house because the temple was where the Holy Spirit dwelled. There's this place called the Holy of Holies, and there was this massive veil that was like feet thick and uh, really tall, probably definitely taller than this, right? And, and what's amazing is that God's presence was just on the other side, and there was all kinds of stuff you had to do. The priest had to do, and he was the only one who would go in there, had to go in there to be in the presence of God. But what happened, we read this verse last week. It's one of my favorite things that happens in the crucifixion. It says that when he breathed his last, when he says, it is finished, it says the veil was torn from top to bottom. Now, if it was a human doing it, we're not going to start 30 feet in the air, right? You're not going to start there to rip this thing down. And it was like feet thick. I don't know how they would have done that anyway. They didn't have lightsabers back then. Um, we don't have now either. I understand. And so there's this idea that the presence of God was no longer at a place. The presence of God is now with the people. The presence of God is with you. You are God's house, and we are called to be the, the house of prayer. And I think a big reason why we're not, I think a big reason why you wouldn't describe yourself as a house of prayers, I think we've misunderstood prayer. I think that we've misunderstood prayer because as with most things, we tend to make it about us. We make prayer, we, we, we want prayer to benefit us, and so that's the way we frame it. Our, prayer, our prayers focus around trying to mold God and ask him to do our will, trying to convince him to do what we want, and that's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is not, hey God, will you do what I want you to do? Because as we already said, we can't change God's mind. The purpose of prayer isn't to change God to be more like us, but to change us to be more like God. There are two stories in scriptures that I think of that, that illustrate this point, that, that it looks like God changes his mind, but that in, in fact that's not the case. Uh, both of them come from Moses in Exodus. Those of you guys who were here with us when we studied through Exodus, which was also a long series, we, we, uh, we read about Moses, and there's these two stories that I love. One of them, it says that God was on his way to kill Moses, which I think is just like one of the funniest phrases, that it's like, one, I didn't know God could be on his way somewhere, right? Like, I thought he was just there, like, so I don't know how that process works. So he is on his way to kill Moses, because of disobedience in Moses' life. And his wife, Zephora, she takes action that, that fixes the problem, and then God doesn't kill Moses, right? As we all know. Spoiler alert if you haven't read Exodus. Then the other one is, is that Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and he is getting the Ten Commandments, which, again, all of the nation of Israel was supposed to go up there, but they were afraid of the mountains, so they're down there. So God's already kind of annoyed that it's like, why did you guys not do this? So Moses is up there, and he's getting the Ten Commandments, one of them says, do not worship any other gods but me. Meanwhile, the people are down the mountain, and they have built a golden calf, and they are worshiping the golden calf. So God is rightfully angry, and he says, Moses, you got to get out of here because I'm real angry, and I don't want you to see what I'm about to do all these people. <laughs> it's, it's essentially, that's the Blake International Version of Scripture that I just quoted. Um, and so he says this to Moses, and Moses is like, hold on, hold on, let's wait, let's wait. Let's not do that for a second. Let's, how about mm, let, you, you promised that you weren't, that you're going to make a great nation out of Abraham and his descendants, and that's them down there. 
So like, we gotta, we gotta work with what we got here, God. And, and, and Moses is then righteously angry at the people. And God relents and he doesn't kill all the people of the nation of Israel. But what happens is that Moses goes down the mountain and then uh, everybody who doesn't repent for worshiping the golden calf, he kills. It's like 3,000 people that he kills that day, that the Levites kill. So in these situations, both with Zephora and with God saying, I'm going to kill everybody and then I'm not killing everybody, it looks at face value like God changed his mind, right? Like Zephora does this thing and God's like, well, never mind. I changed my mind. I'm not going to kill Moses. Same thing on the mountain, that it's like, oh, well, I'm going to kill all these people because they were worshiping the golden calf. Oh, never mind. Changed my mind. Not going to kill the people. But in reality, God didn't change. The circumstances changed. The circumstances changed. So Moses was brought right, brought back into right standing by the actions of Zephora, his wife. And so what changed wasn't God. What changed was the circumstances. Again, on the mountain, what I believe has happened in this situation is that now that Moses understood and had, the, had seen the wrath of God towards the people of Israel, Moses was then able to carry out what God wanted to do anyway, which was kill those who were disrespectful and, and, and worshiping the other gods. And so God didn't have to do it because Moses changed. So it wasn't God changing This was Moses changing. God doesn't change. Circumstances change. And prayer changes you. Prayer doesn't change God's mind. We're not trying to change God's mind. The point of prayer is that we would change. We often think that prayer changes the situation around us or prayer changes God's mind. And we might never say that, right? Like we might not, you might not ever verbalize that we're trying to change God's mind, but often our approach to prayer is that, right? Like if we were really honest with ourselves, it's like, yeah, I mean, like if I would, I would really like for him to change his mind for this thing to not happen. Prayer, when done correctly, will change us into being more like God. James chapter four says, you do not have because you do not ask God. A lot of you probably have heard that verse, right? A lot of you have probably heard just that verse, and we really like just that verse, You have not because you ask not. But we don't talk about the next part very much. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We like to think that we're doing things in a way that honors God, and we tell ourselves that it's for Him and that it's for His good. Let me know if you've prayed something like this before. Don't let me know. You don't have to admit to it. It's okay. Uh, God, if you would just let me win the lottery. Do you know how much good I could do for you? God, do you know how much good I would do? I could give all that money to, to the poor, and I would give that money to my church. And sure, I probably would like get, probably get a new iPhone, and I probably would buy a new house, and I'd definitely need a new truck. And so like, I would definitely do all that. But, like, but also, like, God, this is for you. I don't want this for me, right? And it might not be the lottery, right? It might be because some of y'all might be like, Preacher, why are you talking about the lottery? Some of you, it might be a job. God, if you would give me this job, I could get a raise. I could do, God, if you would let me have this new house, I could, I could bring homeless people in to stay in, in my extra bedroom because I would have an extra bedroom. God, if you give me this new car, I'll pick people up off the side of the road all the time. I will do it, right? We like to frame things in a way that's like, God, I'm, I'm doing this for you. We're trying to tell God what's best for him to do. Y'all do that sometimes? I do it sometimes. Sometimes we try to tell God what's best 
for him, Zeke has begun to master this idea. My four-year-old, he's begun to master this idea. He will say, I'll, I'll lay him down for bed and uh, I'll have to go do something like take out the, the trash or do the laundry or something. And, and I'll say, uh, you know, hey, buddy, I'll come. I got to go do that stuff. I'll, good night. And he'll say, you know, Dad, uh, when you're done you know, doing the dishes, you can come lay with me if you want to. If you want to, you can feel free to come, you know, or, or he'll, if he wants to watch like his show on TV, he's like, well, you know, Dad, if you want to, we could watch Hot Wheels. We could, if, just if you want to. And that's such an image of how we pray oftentimes, right? That it's like, God, if you want to do this thing that I really want, you, you really could. You really could do that. And I think it's just evident that, that that's how we all kind of are, is that our prayers are very me-focused, The purpose of prayer is not to try to trick God into doing things that we want him to do. It's about beginning us beginning to do what he wants. The more we spend time, the more we will be like him. I'm sure if you go back and listen to my messages from when I first started, uh, I doubt that my my accent is quite as deep as it is now. I know some of y'all are thinking, Blake, you don't have an accent. I definitely have a little bit more of an accent than I had when I got here because I've been here with y'all for three years and I do things like I say y'all now. I didn't say y'all. I didn't like how y'all sounded. It's not a word that was in my vocabulary. Now, I understood the concept of y'all, right? I got it. But it was not something that I used. Now, I say it all the time. I say y'all all the time. You become who you spend time with. Prayer is kind of like us syncing up with God. Have you ever watched somebody... Uh, on a, like an award show or something, they're supposed to be lip syncing their song and they're just off. And it's like, oh, this is bad. You're, that's not the word you're supposed to be saying. There's an element of it that you need to be in sync with the music. You have to be synced up with God. And that's kind of what prayer is. Prayer is us syncing up with God. It's us saying, hey, God, let me, let me come to you and let me understand what, where you're at so I can be on the same page because I don't want to be out of step with you. I don't want to be out of step with you. Logan, you play in the marching band. You're on the drum line. You talk about being in sync. Marching bands, they have got to be synced up together because if you've ever been to a middle school band concert, it is hard to be at. It is hard to listen to. Nobody's synced up to anything. Everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And it sounds like it. It's rough. In the same way, prayer, we don't want to be out of sync with God because the result is not going to be pretty, right? Prayer is us lining up. It is seeking out God's will. It is us saying, God, I want to be more like you. I don't want to do things on, in my own rhythm anymore. I don't want to play the music that I think is good. I want to know what you want me to play. I want to know what your notes are. I need to be, I need to be in rhythm with you. See, the thing is that we think prayer is us getting closer to God. This is a vocabulary that I do not like that we have incorporated in church is being close to God or feeling far away from God because that cannot be true if you are a believer. That is an Old Testament philosophy is being close to God or being far away from God because as I have said on the stage dozens of times, where does the Holy Spirit live? In you. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you. Now let me ask you, Have you ever been closer to or further away from your own organs? No. You would never be like, man, I just feel really far from my lungs right now. I just feel, now, I've done some exercise and I'm like, where did my lungs go? They feel far away right now. 
You've never been like, man, my large intestine just feels like it is really close to me right now. I feel really close to my large intestine. I've been eating a lot of Taco Bell. I feel really close to my large intestine. The same is true with God. If the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you, you cannot be closer to or further away from him at all. It's a bad vocabulary. You are always in the presence of God. The question is, are you paying attention? The question is, are you synced up? Are are you in sync? Are you in tune to what God, the Holy Spirit that is dwelling inside of you, are you listening? Are you quieting it down because you've got to be on a phone, you've got to be watching the screen, you've got to be doing something, talking to somebody? We're oftentimes out of sync with God. My favorite verse about that, that, that subject comes from Psalm 37. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. What's happened is that we've changed the first part of that verse, right? We've changed the first part to where we think, go to church and he will give you the desires of your heart. We think it's, if I listen to Christian music, then he will give me the desires of my heart. If I'm a really good person, then he will give me the desires of my heart. But that's not the case. It's when we find our delight in God. What delights you? What makes you happy? Because a lot of times what happens is is a lot of people miss this about being a Christian. And we think going to church is, you got to get up and you got to, you got to talk like this, right? We got to be serious. We got to come in and we, it's a serious time, right? That's what a lot of people, this is church. We got to be serious. There's no room for joy. And you kind of feel like, well, I, can, I, can I not be happy about what God did, right? Like, can, I, can that not be a part of it? And sure, we might do it on Easter, right? Like Easter, we're all like, woohoo, this is great. This is Easter. Let's wear bright colors. This is a good day, you know? But so much of what church has become is like a serious, people have this prayer voice they get into. You have these long pauses. I do it too. Like, I get it. I understand. But like, we think that that's all it is, that that to take God serious, we have to be serious. Those things are all fine. They're good. They should be part of how we worship. But we also should be delighted in the Lord. Amen? We should be excited. See, y'all said that like robots. Come on now. You did, you did the thing I don't like. We should all be delighted in the Lord. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Thank you. That was much better. Y'all did not sound like you were delighted to say that. Now I did ask you, so like, I guess that's on me. Um, but we shouldn't just be delighted in the Lord on Easter Sunday. I mean, on Thursday morning, after your kid has woken you up in the middle of the night because they had a bad dream, they want to come cuddle in the bed with you, and you're extra exhausted when you wake up, are you delighted in the Lord? Monday afternoon, you're driving home from work, and the stupid people are driving too. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you might be that person. Um, (laughs) When you're in that moment, is, is your delight in the Lord? Are you delighted by what the Lord has done for you? Delight yourselves in the Lord, and then what will your desires look like? What, were your, what will your, talking too fast, what will your desires look like if you're delighted 
in the Lord. Because what's happened is that we find our delight in other things. Our happiness is dependent on what the world has to offer. Then our desires become worldly things. See, what's happened is we've said we've become delighted by the things of the world. And then that's what we're asking God for. We're not asking God for the desires of his heart. We're asking him for the things that make us happy. When we pray with the purpose of not give me, give me, give me, right? We say that a lot in our prayer. Even if it's good things, right? Give me patience. Don't pray that. That's scary. Give me strength. Give me hope. Give me peace. Give me joy. It's still a me-focused prayer instead of the idea of change me, change me, change me. I want us as we approach this series to think about the purpose of our prayer. Are we praying focused on ourselves? Are we trying to get something from God? Are we trying to get him to communicate to us, to provide something for us? Or are we focused on him? Because prayer is worship. Prayer is worship. I think that for so long, I've just thought about prayer as as communication, and that was kind of it. That it was like, you know, prayer is a way that we communicate to God, and and God communicates with us. I'm going to do a little little poll real quick. Of of types of ways that somebody can reach out to you, I want you to raise your hand when I say your favorite. How many of you are like, I would prefer an email? Anybody? There was an email just there. A couple people. How many are like, I text me? If you need something, text me. Yeah, I'm in that boat. Text me. That's the best way to reach me. A lot of y'all know that. You text me, I'll answer you probably in the next three minutes. If you call me, it might be the next day. Uh, how many of you guys do prefer a phone call? They're like, if you're going to talk to me, please call me on the phone. A couple of y'all, yeah, that's fine. I, I understand that. And, and in reality, all of those are really a substitute for face-to-face communication, Right? Like, I can't be in your presence to communicate this with you, so, so I'll call you, or I'll text you, or I'll shoot you an email, just kind of tell you what, what I mean, and you can let me know. You know. These are all a substitute for being in the presence. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys, because I, when I was growing up, texting was kind of a new thing, and, and we still talked on the phone a lot, I, so I'm not, I'm not that young. Um, how many of you guys have ever talked to someone on the phone for hours? Hours. I think I talked to someone on the phone for six hours one time. Yeah. 12 hours? Whew, that's a lot. That's too much. You should have hung up. You should have gone to the bathroom or something. Like you, I don't... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There, there's a lot of, I don't know if you ever did this, but there's a lot of times that teenagers, because their parents won't let them actually date and spend time person to person, which is a good idea. Um, so they will talk on the phone and they'll fall asleep on the phone. You want to fall asleep on the phone? Can we fall asleep on the phone? I, I, I wrote this down already. I'm not just picking at you, Logan. I was like, you want to fall asleep? Let's fall asleep on the phone. I just want to be, I just want to be with you, right? Because there is an element of talking on the phone that it's not just communicating. It does kind of feel like you're with the person, right? Like there's a little bit more to it than a text or an email that it's, it's kind of like being in their presence. And that's kind of what the teenage thing is like. I just want to just fall asleep. I just want to fall asleep. I just want to be with you, right? right? That's kind of, that's kind of the, the feeling, And prayer is more than just communication. But so often our prayer life just looks like text messages to God. So often our prayer life just looks like, hey God, I hope you're having a good morning. Uh, I'm headed to work. Uh, You know, if I could have a couple green lights, that'd be great because I hit the snooze. 
um, you know, if, if I could not spill my coffee like today, like I did yesterday, uh, and, you know, help me to, to be a good person. Amen. Send it. A lot of times that's what our prayer life looks like, is us just sending text messages to God, like, hey, this is what's going on. If you could, if you could help me out, that'd be awesome. Instead of actually being in the presence of God. I'll tell you that being a parent has changed so much of how I view God and his relationship to us. Because there's so much of a parent that that you don't really understand until you have a kid of just wanting to be with them. I literally thought this week, it was like, man, I wish I could just text Zeke at school and be like, hey, bud, hope you're having a good day. But he's four. He can't read. He also doesn't have a cell phone. But I just wanted to be with him. I was like, man, I miss him. I miss being with him. There's an element of, of being a parent that it's like, I just, wanna, I just want you to play on the floor in the room with me. I don't want you to go to your room. Like, I want to be with you. The parent, that we just want to be with our kids. I don't necessarily have to have great conversation. I've never had a great conversation with my two-year-old ever. I don't understand half of the things she's saying to me. And she says a lot. <laughs> you know, she will just talk. But that's fine. I just want to be with her. I just want to be with her. I'm not, I'm not worried about how good the communication skills are. I'm not like, Libby, you forgot to say the in the front of that sentence. I'm going to need you to correct that grammar when you're talking to daddy. No, I don't do that. Because I want to be with her. Prayer is an opportunity that we have to connect with God, to spend time with him, to pour out praise and adoration to him, to focus on him. Instead of making the focus be about us, to focus on him. God, you are great. God, you are good. God, you are beautiful. One of the things I've talked about it before is is praying through the alphabet and picking out different adjectives that start with every letter. Praying through and just worshiping God. Allowing us to sync up with him, to recognize how good he is. Instead, what we do is we say, me, me, me. And I'm not saying we shouldn't bring our request to God, because we absolutely should. Paul specifically says that in Philippians. Make your requests made known to God. So, so you do still do that. But oftentimes we just treat God like he's Santa. We go to him with our list of the things we want. We say, give me these things and and I'll see you Christmas and Easter. Which, how selfish is that? Because look at what he's already done. How often do we pray to God and we're asking him to do something instead of recognizing what he's already done? He didn't have to create us to begin with. That's the most mind-blowing question to me about God in Scripture. Why did he even start? He knew when he created, when he started, that he was going to have to send Jesus to die on the cross from the get-go. So you want to talk about an immeasurable love that he has for us. He created us knowing he was sending his son to the cross. And then you look at the whole of Scripture, that every little thing is about God, one, showing his glory, two, drawing us back to him for our redemption. It is a love story about a God who loves us and desperately wants us. But so often, we're asking God for more 
instead of recognizing what he's already done. We have salvation. We have eternal life with him. We have the ability to be in his presence here on earth and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. How much more could we ask for? Instead of asking God for more, we should be recognizing what he has already done. That's what worship is. That's what we're singing up here. These these things that we're singing, we sing to God to recognize who he is. To look at anything or everything he's done in scripture and in our lives and recognize it and say, God, you are good because you have already done this. Pour out thanksgiving, adoration. That's my prayer is that as we, as we continue to dive into this series on prayer, that we would remember that prayer is not about us. And we begin to shift our prayer lives and try to, to root out this idea of being, give me, give me, I need this, please help me this, and more, God, you've already done so much. I thank you for that you, you parted the Red Sea to save your people to bring Jesus into the world. God, I'm thankful that you didn't kill all of the nation of Israel when they were worshiping the golden calf and you brought Jesus through messy situations to save me. That our prayer lives are so me-focused and as we, we get into this series, they would begin to be more focused on God and us sinking back up to being in tune with him. Amen? Let's pray. God, you are magnificent. You are holy. You are so creative in how you created beauty like nature, trees, mountains, the ocean, space. And God, you also created things that are, that are beautiful to hear like music, like, like our kids' voices. God, we get to hear things because you created it. And God, I thank you for the redemption you have already given to us, that we deserved absolutely nothing. We did nothing to deserve your love, and yet you came and you freely gave to us. God, forgive us when our prayers are so focused on ourselves. Let us see the value that we have in prayer is not about us coming to you to try to convince you to do things our way, but God, that we would understand what your way is and we would desperately pursue it in our world. That we would stop trying to get you to do our will and that we would seek after your will. God, help us to understand prayer better as we, as we dig into this series. Make it clear. Change our prayer lives so that we would become a house of prayer. Not this building, but us individually as your people, as your church, as the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, that we would be houses of prayer. God, I pray you would change us that because of the change you've made in us, we would begin to do everything in love. 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.